to this NoFibs podcast. In this episode, Margot Kingston delivers a speech to the Balmain Institute in April of this year. Hope you enjoy it. Um, last election, I just thought, oh, I'm going to give up. That's it. Um, uh, you know, that, that's what Australia says, climate change election, okay, it might be good to have a life. And um, what, what made me decide to, to keep going and have another go was the bushfires. Um, this, uh, and what I've found is that that's actually what got a lot of people going with the voices for. Um, groups, it wasn't so much, okay, um, May 2019 election, alright, we're gonna, we're gonna go, go for, you know, go for broke. It was, it was bushfires. And so people thought, right, I'll have a go. And then came COVID, and so many professional people, most, mostly women, couldn't do their jobs or had to do their jobs at home, and that's when they started voices. So, just like to say one other thing about luck. Um, uh, you might remember last year um, Scott Morrison had a, um, uh, an election budget and he was going to go to an election in September. There wasn't one independent state independent name there. Then, remember, he thought, right, um, Delta's over, well, I'm going to go in November. There was about three or four. He called it because of Omicron. As a result, you've had um, serious independence on the ground doing amazing community work for months. So, if, if there is a, a God who doesn't want Morrison to have another miracle, <laughs> maybe, maybe this time she's sort of giving us a chance. <laughs> So, Scott Morrison will not campaign in Sydney's most marginal seat, Liberal seat, or I'll wager in any other blue ribbon seat under challenge from independence. Dave Sharma chose Julie Bishop to launch his campaign for Wentworth on March 27. She retired last election after a humiliatingly low vote as the sole moderate to stand for leadership when Malcolm Turnbull was defenestrated. The few remaining moderates, many of whom departed at the last election, threw their votes behind Morrison to ensure Peter Dutton, leader of the hard right, did not become PM. That vote marked the end of influence of a once powerful force in the Liberal Party, liberalism, economically dry, socially progressive and environmentally green, in what was once a broad church of liberal and conservative philosophical strands. Sharma and other moderates in blue ribbon seats rebranded as modern liberals last election to distance themselves from the reality of a party now illiberal, populist, socially conservative and comprehensively captured by the fossil fuel lobby. This time, having proved modern liberals powerless to affect serious climate change policy, get a federal integrity commission, fiscal discipline or sensible long-term future planning and reform, Sharma omits the word liberal altogether, copies his independent opponent's campaign colour, and markets himself as Wentworth's local candidate. (laughs) There are seven blue ribbon liberal seats in play this election, all among the top ten wealthiest in Australia, all with a significant proportion of disenfranchised progressive liberal voters. All bar one are held by liberal men. All their challenges are women, who are former Liberal voters or swing voters. All are successful in business, consulting, business and non-profit, medicine or journalism, and would once have been welcomed as star Liberal Party candidates. Most importantly, all were reluctant candidates who chose, after long discussion with friends and community recruiters, to upend their lives due to a very old-fashioned concept, duty, that... They are uninterested in higher political office, lobbying or government jobs after politics. Now, I know this is very idealistic, but I'd just like to read at length from two women, both of whom I've interviewed, um, both of whom I think would be priceless assets to the parliament. 
and both of whom are the most symbolically powerful candidates in terms of the proposition that what this Independence Day movement is really is a... What would I call it? A um, unique um, experiment in a split from the Liberal Party without forming another party. Um, so, where, I'll just see if I can find their quotes. Allegra Spender, her grandfather was a minister in the Menzies government. Her father was a Fraser government minister and her mother, Carla Zampatti, an iconic liberal fashion designer. She's standing in Wentworth, to me, ground zero of the movement. Kate Cheney's uncle, Fred Cheney, was Deputy Liberal Party leader under Malcolm Fraser. Her grandfather was um, a minister in the Fraser government and the mayor of um, Perth. And her father is the chairman of West Farmers. Spender and Cheney both say the Liberal Party has left them. Both are highly educated, successful, have young children and had to be convinced to stand. This is what Allegra Spender said. It was a very hard decision to say yes. I had a job I absolutely adored. I have a young family. I've been barely on social media for the last 10 years and I had an Italian passport. Which means, of course, she's got to say she can't. People said to me in the community, it's really important. We don't have infinite time to just hope the coalition is going to sort themselves out on climate, hope the parliament is going to sort themselves out on integrity. I said, look, you know, just find the best person. And they kept saying, sorry, we think that's still you. And that's why I decided to do it, because I thought, this is not the path that I was planning or choosing. But at the same time, I think it's really, really, really important. And so when something is really important, I just can't stand by and say, sorry, good luck, but I'm not willing to do that personally. Kate Cheney, I was the first person um, uh, to interview her um, when she decided to stand. And, and like Allegra, I just, I can't tell you how impressed I am. I mean, these people, um, they're, they're so old style. Kate Cheney's done, you know, consulting at MBAs and she, she set up the reconciliation and um, gender equity um, policies in, in West Farmers. Her, her dad is the chairman of West Farmers. Okay. Um, Allegra, um, oh, when I interviewed her, um, I said, oh, you know, surely you're too privileged to be able to know what Australians, you know, need. And she said, well, you know, my mum was a... Um, an immigrant at nine. Um, she made me work in, in her business um, after school every day. She said, you've got to do it, you've got to do it for yourself. So she went to Kenya for a year to work on um, 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 helping um, women in, in, in rural areas. And her big, um, her big project now is getting together big business and philanthropists to work with regional public schools to mentor bright kids in the country. So... You know, they're not labour, but there's something, there's something there. Um, so this is what Kate said. I'm running because I think we have lost community, integrity and vision in federal politics. There are 20 reasons why you wouldn't do this and really only one reason that you would, and that's because it matters. It's just got to be done. The Liberal Party is about power without purpose now. What they're good at is the politics. The policies are a whole lot less interesting or important. So it's let's get in power and stay in power rather than actually using that power to achieve anything. Now, imagine if we got Allegra, Kate, Zoe Daniel, Monique Ryan, um, Sophie Scomps and Nicolette Buell in our parliament. Imagine the revolution. They want to build. They want to collaborate. They want to improve the standards. They've got absolutely nothing to gain by doing anything but trying to do their best for this country and for their constituents. I, 
if the wealthiest seats in the country can do something for the country, wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> now I've got to go back to finding where my place is. There are seven... Um, oh, I've got that. So why are these women doing this? Um, apart from the Liberal Party having left them. There are comfortable majorities in our parliament and in those seats, possibly Barb Bradfield, to enact a serious climate change plan, a strong federal integrity commission, and to improve the lives of women. Parliament is stuck because the dominant factions in the Liberal and National parties won't let it happen. These women want to bring fresh, clean air into our parliament, unencumbered by party club rules and rituals, to help clean up politics, model civility, restore trust in our democracy, and collaborate with MPs across politics to pass laws for our long-term prosperity, for future building, as Kate Cheney puts it. They want to serve their constituents and the nation. Labor's post-election review included a startling finding. Higher income urban Australians concerned about climate change swung to Labor, despite the effect of Labor's tax policy, the effect Labor's tax policies on negative gearing and franking credits might have had on them. Turnbull's immediate retirement after he lost the leadership saw pop-up celebrity candidate Karen Phelps win the by-election with an 18.96% swing. Former Liberal Party leader and MP for Wentworth, Dr John Hewson, who took a solid climate change policy to the 1993 election, then watched John Howard and Tony Abbott destroy market-based frameworks for transition and Turnbull twice destroyed for trying to do so, was her climate change advisor. She also advocated a strong Federal Integrity Commission and a compassionate policy for refugees detained indefinitely offshore. Sharma's two-pronged attack, Phelps is a Labor front, and a Phelps win would see an unstable and chaotic, chaotic minority government. Sharma's team begged Turnbull to endorse him. He refused spending the campaign overseas. And he said to the Herald um, at Sharma's launch that um, it was silly to say that um, that, that Allegra was a, a Labor Green front that, um, and that he was going to be spending this election overseas too. So he's not going to endorse Sharma again. And I would be willing to bet that if Allegra's just not quite there and he thinks he can get her over the line, he will endorse her, which means, of course, he'd have to leave the Liberal Party. Phelps coined the term the power of balance to emphasise the constructive role centrist independents could play in Parliament and built a majority in the House and the Senate to pass the Medivac legislation against the government's will. Across the harbour, Louise Hislop, founder of Voices for Warringah, tweeted on by-election night, look, we don't want to get too cocky over this side of the harbour, but seriously, if you refuse to listen to the voices of the people, especially in regard to climate change, you will be punished. Wentworth one day, Warringah the next. Zali Stegel took the plunge ashore of a huge team of community volunteers, serious funding, and, and easily won Ringa with an 18.3% swing. So you can see what's happening. And Phelps proved her by-election swing was not just a protest vote when she held on to 16.4% of her by-election swing, making Wentworth the Liberals' most marginal Sydney seat. So what happened in the other wealthy Blue Ribbon seats without a well-funded, volunteer-rich, strong, independent Liberal candidate to give them choice? On Sydney's North Shore, Bradfield recorded a 4.5% swing to Labor, North Sydney 4.3% and McKellar 2.5%. In Melbourne, Goldstein swung 4.9% to Labor and Kuyong 7.1% to the Greens. In Perth, Curtin swung 6.4% to Labor. So, as I said, a combination of the, the bushfires and COVID in, in early 2020 saw voices for groups, 
the Voices for concept be taken up by all those seats. So what's it about? It's a Kathy McGowan thing going back to Voices for Indi. What it, what it does is it, it, this is just my way of looking at it, is it tries to foster um, voters to, to, to identify themselves with their seat, to identify themselves with the community. For it to work, and there's been a lot of voices groups have a go, but the ones that work, there's got to be in the core group, liberal and left-wing voters. What they do is they go out and they have kitchen table conversations with all sorts of people which are about listening, what are your big issues, what do you like about living with the electric, what, what you think needs to be done. You do a report about that. You're gradually bringing people together. You find a candidate. Basically, in these blue ribbon seats, it's all your networks and your big and etc. And as Cathy pointed, pointed out, she started... Um, sort of a, a forum. Uh, she started something called Community Independence um, in February last year, where she brought all the groups together and they started a networking thing, a, a, a training thing, etc. Um, is you're not going to get the right candidate unless... Look, think of Zali. I mean, think of Allegra. Think of these people. They're not going to fall. They're not going to jump off a cliff and change their lives unless they know they've got a lot of volunteers and they've got money. I mean, no successful, financially secure, privileged, lucky person is, is just is going to do that. So it's happened. What next? Well, the next thing that happened is that someone who's caught. Um, I'll go into detail later if you like, but he went public with his Climate 200 thing. Now, does everyone know the story about why he formed Climate 200? It's just a classic story. If you, if you want to get liberal voters, lifelong liberal voters, to say, I'll try something else, there's got to be a split in the establishment, right? I mean, how else do you have a chance, right? So, Simon, our uh, Simon Australia's first billionaire lives in Kuyong. And he joined Josh Frydenberg's exclusive private donors club called Kuyong 200. <laughs> um, and then, I think it was 2018, he wrote a, a piece in some of the Age of the Guardian where he said he disagreed with the government wanting to extend the life of the coal mine. Josh was spelled within 24 hours. Now, I don't know if any of you guys are in 1% circles, I'm not, but I'm assuming that 1%ers don't do that to other 1%ers. So what Simon did, he said, right, I'll mirror it, I'll set up Climate 200, my private foundation. He donated a fair bit of money last election, and this election he went nuclear. So I think he announced in August, um, uh, rich tech people, rich philanthropists like the Milgram family, he'd say, I'll put in 100,000 if, if donors can match it. He's raised about five, seven, he's now up to about $15 million. So the idea is he can help fund these campaigns. Basically, he's got a very businessman's type thing. Like, the, the seat has to raise, say, the seat raise 100, he'll give 100. He's also got a system where he gives um, support in campaign strategy, digital marketing, and all that sort of stuff. That sort of, I think, probably got one or two of the, the women over, over the line. Just to, it sort of made it respectable, in a way, to do it. Um, so here we are. Uh, At the start, start of all this, I thought, maybe you could get one more. Zali's safe. I think Helen's safe. Rebecca Sharkey, Mayo's safe. Now I think you could probably get three. Um, we've all seen the, uh, the Liberal Party fall apart in New South Wales, but I keep going back to what Malcolm said to me last year. He said, look, Apart from New South Wales and South Australia, every other branch has gone hard right. There, there's been um, an influx of fundamentalist 
um, Christians and, and, and uh, very, very uh, conservative base and an old, it's, just, it's an old base. What we're seeing in New South Wales, I, I, I really, I, I can't comprehend it, except um, when I did read Nikki Saga this morning, she said um, there, there, are, there are senior liberals in the party that want Morrison to lose to save the party. They, they want um, the Labor to win so that the Liberals can sort themselves out. Um, what, how are the Liberals going to stop this happening? This is just horrific for the Liberals. These are seats where you hold fundraisers to, to raise money to send to the marginal seats. You've got Joshua Frydenberg basically trapped in Kugel. The way the campaigns are working... Oh, I've got, a, I've got some numbers for you. Here we go. So far, Allegra has 670 volunteers. Kylia Tink in North Sydney has 765 volunteers. Sophie Scomps in Mackella has 800 volunteers. Monique Ryan in Kuyong has... 1,450 volunteers. And Zoe Daniel in Goldstein has 1,100 volunteers. Now, I'm not talking about people on the subscription list. There's many more. I'm talking about people who are in the t-shirts, they're walking billboards. They're door knocking. They're putting out flyers in every seat. They're holding their own events. Um, oh, there's a lovely story I was speaking to Louise Hislop, who ended up being uh, Zali's co-campaign manager last election has now moved to McKellar and is, is, um, is Sophie's um, right-hand woman. So the other day, what does she do? Um, she goes and does a photo shoot with Tom Carroll, as well serving champion at, on, on Avalon. Then she goes and meets a Tibetan leader that's a big Tibetan community in um, McKellar. Then she goes to a fundraising lunch. 100 people, 100 bucks a pop. The host donates her beautiful home. Um, another supporter donates all the food. A well-known local band plays for free. The hostess sings a song, a campaign song, to the tune of April Sun in Cuba. <laughs> and a number of supporters bring items for auction. So what you're actually getting a community. You're actually getting... Oh, I suppose the way I look at it, how you know how everything's social media now, right? Imagine if your neighbour says, I reckon you should vote for Sophie, I've met her, she's good. I'm going to have a, a cocktail party. How about you and, and the rest of the street comes? It is so much more powerful. It, 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 it creates a vibe. So now we get to how they're going to stop it, right? So first of all, you've got to understand, as Malcolm Turnbull and Kevin that there is a tactile element of the Murdoch press that is part of the government. Um, we've already seen that. I don't know if you saw, uh, I think it was page one picture story yesterday or the day before. They trawled through um, the, the Twitter hand, the, the Twitters, the tweets of a, an elected spender supporter, found that she retweeted tweeted something supporting the boycott of the Sydney Festival due to um, issues with Israel. Front page, um, Olympic supporters are anti-Jewish, big Jewish um, community in, um, in Sydney, uh, all over Sky, all over 2GB, Dave Sharma jumps on it. This will happen all the time. This morning they put a, a story in that Zal Stegel and Helen Haynes voted with Labor most of the time. Yes, that's true. Um, uh, but if you take out their policy, which is to oppose gang motions, so when the government says, I don't want to hear any more about that, and go, I'm, I, I, want, I think we should debate in Parliament, it's, it's under it's un 50%. Another thing they're doing, I don't know, I wouldn't ask you to, to watch this, but Peter Creedland had a doctor. I watched it, so you have to. The other night, Tuesday night, uh, where it was alleged that um, the independent
been said in Goldstone. Zoe had to put a, a tweet out. Um, what else have they done? But, oh, they, oh God, I can't remember. But what, what, they're trying to, what they're trying to do is just throw as many lies as they can out and keep going to... Someone, someone said to me one of the candidates, the thing is if you're, if you're a lifelong Liberal voter, crossing the bridge is like the five stages of grief. <laughs> right? So, obviously, you know, in these highly educated seats, they're worried about their children, they realise that the system is completely corrupt, they realise that the government has no reform agenda, um, particularly Zali at the moment and Allegra are talking about the fiscal indiscipline, but, you know, what are we going to... What are we going to give our kids? Um, so, what the what are trying to do is trying to close that, close that idiot, close that idiot. So, the whole thing is a green light front. Um, they say that um, Labor is deliberately running dead in their seats, which they are, but I'll explain that in a minute. Um, and that actually, Climate 200 is the new get up. <laughs> no, that, that's what Orange is in. Um, so this is, this is going to increase and increase as we go. Boom, boom, boom. So um, let me explain the, the theory of an independent state seat. First of all, it's got to be very safe. Second, neither Liberal or Greens will try to win. They know it's gone, right? So, you have to pick an independent who can find common ground between the progressive Liberals, Labor and Greens, so that maybe up to half Labor and Green voters will give the independent their first preference. Now, why do you have to do that? Because the independent has to finish second. If Labor finishes second, like say the Greens give Labor their preferences, then the preferences of the independent will elect the Lib because you'll have a, a significant number of Liberal protest voters who vote for the independent and vote to the Liberal. So it's just... Um, it, it's just... It, that's, that's the fact of the matter. And that's why I don't consider Joe Dyer an independent state candidate. She's standing in the seat of Boothby, which is the most marginal seat in South Australia. Um, so if she finishes third and takes Liberal votes, it could elect the Lib. I truly believe that Joe will, will not stand. Um, the latest poll has shown that Boothby is, is well and truly winnable by, um, uh, by uh, Labor. Um, so so that, that, there, there's your basic... That's what you basically need. So, the independent cannot preference. Why? <laughs> I mean, I don't know if you remember Wentworth. Wentworth nearly killed me, the Wentworth by-election. Karen goes up, right? Um, she makes her announcement. She says, oh, I'll tell you what. If you're angry with Ma about Malcolm being assassinated, you better pull the liberals last. Right. Okay, so the left just starts making massive donations. Um, and then it suddenly realised that she's lost the election. Um, Abbott's um, sister, everyone came and said, you're late front, you're front, you're front, election gone. So she comes back and she says, well, actually, I'm now going to preference the Liberals above later. Right. Then the Adams and nightclub, we go on to and say, well, I'm going to care at last. Um, the lefties say they want their donations back. And at that stage, honestly, she lost. She was gone. And I just thought, oh, well, no, I'll just keep trying. So I just worked on uh, seven days a week, 15 hours a day, convincing the left, trying to convince the left, blocking so many people that were sending cents. Um, Simon did the same. Um, and so there was a, a lady from the inner west who was agreeing to the same. A guy from um, uh, Canberra who was Labor did the same, and my chief reporter in Indi, who covered Indi all those years ago, he did the same, and it was just a full 
time, effort on strategic voting. You would not believe how many people don't know what preferential voting is, what the meaning is. How many people think, oh well, you know, I think you're all right, I'll give you my second preference. You know, but with, with strategic voting in these seats, you actually have to convince a large number of Labor and Green voters to give you your first preference. We had terrible trouble in England because of Karen's decision to put Liberal above Labor, the Greens decided to preference Labor, which would mean Labor would finish second. So, you know, what happened is on a Wednesday night, Bob Brown put out a tweet saying, could you please ignore your local preference ticket and, and, and give Karen your second preference. The next day, the then Greens leader, which Dina Tarly did the same, that is completely unprecedented. Karen won within an hour on the night, within an hour. The, the, Liberal, the, the Labor and Green vote collapsed. Sharma, this stage, see, they, they, they usually get plus, they usually get a 50% in the, in the primary right? So you've got to get them down, you've got to get them down below 45 to give yourself a chance on preferences. And that happened. So we have got a situation where everyone thought at the last election that Labor was going to win. They think, think liberal voters would come home from you. Sally, 18.3%. Karen, 16.3%. It's there. Malcolm warns that it's all very well to say Kathy won in Indi, but she, she was facing a toxic liberal. Of course, I think we're about to it's all very well to say Zali one, but they were against a guy who was a climate change denier, who when 75% of Moringa voted yes to same-sex marriage, he was dying. He was toxic. And so now says, right, it's all very well that they're toxic and they're genuinely not representative, but what's say they're just, you know, a bit? Let's say they're Sharma, you know, really nice guy. I really wish we'd do something about climate change. And, uh, you know, it's just, it doesn't seem, it's best to be inside the team, though, isn't it? Um, so, as Malcolm said, you, you've got to get people to go, right, I, I like the local members, a nice guy. Trent Zimmerman is a very nice guy in, in North Sydney. Jason Fenske is an idiot. And Tim Wilson's. Tim Wilson is a guy, ex IPA like Chris Beach, who sent an email out to the local branch saying, you know, if you know anyone who's got a Zoe Daniel forefoot in their front yard, could you dog in? Because I'm going to dog into the council because I reckon it's unlawful and I reckon she's deliberately willfully breaking the law. And they finally agreed to the New Zealand offer 
divide the party. What was that thing called, that paper ribbon? Is it called paper ribbon? That there was going to be a, 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 an exploration licence um, all uh, um, on, on the, in the sea um, um, uh, adjacent to uh, the North Shore. Not the, yeah, the Northern Beaches. Why did Morrison say no to that? Pressure outside the party. Why did we finally agree to net zero by um, 250? Pressure outside the party. The other thing they agree on is the order of statement. It's just, it's just amazing. So if, you, if you can just have the community and the strategic education to say, please, just this once, Let's go together for common ground. Then God knows what could happen. Now, I just I probably talked a bit much, but I'd just like to finish up with the big issue that is driving everyone mad, and which is basically the Liberals' key issue. What will you do with, if, if you've got the balance of power? Now, in theory, it is, it is impossible. But for the Liberal independents to say that they will support Labor, because then you've got the, the Liberal voters over. If they say they'll support the Liberals, well, Labor voters will die. But also, how on earth can you support a, a coalition government when um, they cannot possibly agree on climate change because of the Liberal Party? I think they would agree on federal local. I have to stay in the same power. Now, Allegra, in the interview she did with me a while ago, said, Look, how about this? How about um, we grant confidence and supply to a minority liberal government, but then work across the parliament to pass climate change and federal ICAP? Now, I suppose that's okay in theory, but oh. So, this is, this is what I reckon. I reckon that the liberals are so stuffed. Like, there is, there is nothing in the budget except we'll give you a little bit of money now till we get through. Um, the, 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 I would have thought that after the bushfires, COVID, and now the floods, um, I, I drove down um, from, from Port Macquarie today and it was, it was, yes, it was pretty scary. Like, there, there were waterfalls, both sides of the mountains. Like, it was, um, did you see the thing of DY? Just, the other day, Bondi, I mean, yeah. um, uh, I, I think that my, my advice to them is to say uh, who you support is a um, fund fundamentally, given that you are representing, you're seeking to be a local candidate representing your electorate, um, you have to go back to your electorate. Put the options on the table and see what they say. And I honestly think that if we're in a balance of power situation, more than one electorate would say, How about the confidence and supply labour? You're forcing to be a bit a bit um, a bit more ambitious on climate change. You make sure they put in a, a, a decent federal ICAC. But by the way, Sophie and, and um and, and Zoe have just put out just sensational reform packages on um, open diaries for ministers, um, no lobbying jobs if you're a minister for more than three years, um, donation disclosure down to um, $2,000, an independent infrastructure fund so we can finally get some nation building going on rather than you know, pretending you're a local government. Um, uh, brilliant stuff that, that you, you could actually force through. Uh, parliamentary standards, ethics codes, like it, it's incredibly exciting um, in one way they help balance, balance power. Um, in, in other ways it's like, oh. um, but um, there, there, is a, there, is a, there is a possibility this election that the wealthy the wealthiest seats in Australia um, could give this country a gift. And I just 
I really pray they do. Now, just before I finish, I know there's a lot of original suits. I don't think any of them are in play, really, except Nichols, um, which is next to Indi. Um, there's a guy there, Rob Priestley, who is very wealthy, self-funding, not taking any time to turn over. Really, it's, it's absolutely impossible to take on 200 in the regions because it's that, it's that whole, oh, that's the Zinia Lutes. And, um, he, he has got a reasonable chance. Um, but the wonderful thing about the regions is they put up some really good people and what they're getting there is conversation. What they're getting there is, is people actually talking about politics again, particularly in the country in these safe national seats, very safe political seats. People just, it's not as it's that there is an election. And so there's, there's that, that promise, that, that potential um, bringing together of a, an identity for a community. Very difficult in the bush, there's not much money, and you've got three or four centres um, of, of, of population. Uh, you know, it, it's extremely difficult to get a sense that you're, you're all in this together. Indar has done it, and you know, now they're, they're orange people, they're, they're, they're quite amazing, they're incredibly innovative. Um, so that's the, that's the hope. So thank you. Thank you. 
brought in to save it, uh, save its reputation, and they are, they're, they're very, they're doing something very risky. They are, they are trying to be straight. They are trying to give civil, civil intelligent use to both sides to go. So I, I honestly think if you, if you have to give the, the Herald and the Age a go, you can, you know, you can get a sense of truth. But then, then of course, there's, you know, there's the friendly drawings. And there's, you know, all these different memes and um, social media, there's minion podcasts, there's stuff, stuff like that. I mean, I'm still old-fashioned, even though I've been out of the mainstream game for a while. I basically follow the, uh, the, the, the press gallery still on Twitter and, and I follow the, the journos that I, I know um, uh, will, are, are factual. Um, you know, Laura Tingle, Catherine Murphy, David Crow. Um, that's sort of that. That's where I'm at. But it's not really. It's sort of like uh, like in America, that the facts actually don't matter anymore in a way. So it's all about feel and vibe, and that's why we don't. You know, when I when I was in the game, um, you know, it was oh, was it Hawke then Keating? I mean. Everyone talked about policy. Everyone talked about reform. Mm. I mean, there's just nothing, nothing there. This is my hope for independence, which gets back to your um, question. It's, it's funny what the independents can do. Kathy always says that she, she always got a really good hearing because, and often she got quite a few things for her electorate because people, uh, the government was willing to talk to her because she wasn't the opposition. Um, with the, the, the current problem of independence in the parliament, they've done amazing things. Hel Helen Haynes, um, Kathy, put, Kathy got all the experts together and put up her federal ICAC bill before she retired. Helen took it over, did massive negotiations for ages. She got everyone from Adam Van to Pauline Hanson and Bob Cabbage to support her bill. <laughs> Every single person in the parliament supported the second government. And finally, she got Richard Archer across. And John Alexander later said he wished he could have gone across and etc. Um, they the Zali has put up a truth and advertising bill and a climate change bill, which most of the independents have said they would support. And if it's one of the things that's led to that open democracy um, website where you know the big thing is true. Dave Sharma always works with Barney Joyce, is strongly against climate change, strongly um, so they can with the bills they put up, they can they can balance in, in a way. And the other thing, of course, is they, they model civil civil behaviour. They just they just do. They they don't they don't play any of those games, and they they collaborate. Like they'll have you know Rebecca will do some uh, uh, some bill that they'll all sort of negotiate and agree on. Andrew will do what like. That you can see the possibilities of actually bringing decision-making um, uh, back to Parliament. But of course, the real thing that would happen if we could get, like, as I said, the start of, the, the start of all this, I thought we could get one extra independent. Now I reckon there's a, you know, obviously it would be very dirty, very, you know, there would be lots of obstacles. But I reckon it would be possible to get three. My guess, I, I believe they should win should win Goldstein. Um, the West did a poll a couple of days ago that Kate, I don't know how she did it, but Curtin, of course, I don't know what happened to Curtin. Curtin's where all rich people in Perth live. And they were sort of, you know, they didn't seem to care about the But then in October, a couple of friends got together, talked to a couple of friends, um, talked to Kate into it, and, and like within two months, you know, they, they started. And, and the West poll said that. That the current member was at the moment getting 51.9. That's, you know, I reckon Kate can win that. Um, and uh, I have to say, Allegra, even though she only has to get a bit more, she is under daily attack. Daily attack. Um, but I would love, love to see, um, to see her win. Wentworth is, is the seat. Where really it started, it started to happen. Um, Malcolm will throw more bombs. I reckon he will. 
I reckon he will. Um, if, if, he, if, he, if he thinks she's lost his life, if he thinks he can get her over the line, get her over the line. Um, she, she, was really, she was really good in that interview. Um, I, I didn't think so. I put her under a lot of pressure and she was very nervous and she's getting more and more confident every day. But um, she said at one stage, um, I'm a builder. My whole life has been about getting people together to try and make something happen. Um, these women, um, they, they have the potential to rejuvenate, rejuvenate our parliament. Now, the big thing, if we can get, if we can get two or three in, that is the Liberal Party has to do something about itself. It is no longer a broad short church. There is no way that both of these, you know, a Liberal senator in Queensland, a Liberal senator in South Australia, the block gave all government legislation unless, um, uh, until um, Morrison, who didn't have any power anyway, abolished vaccine mandates. I mean, um, George Christensen resigned from the, from the LNP today. Um, saying that the LNP was too left-wing. <laughs> <laughs> this is the LNP, like in my day when I was kid up in Queensland, right? Um, the Liberal Party was pro-abortion. When Anastasia decriminalised abortion about three years ago now, with a conscience vote, only three Liberals voted for decriminalisation, and all by one were chased out of the party. The three um, senators up for election are James McGrath, far right, Matt Canavan, I'm across the floor, because net zero by 250, and Anne Stoker, far, far right. There's nothing left of the Liberal Party anymore. It is, it is, it is far, far right. Um, uh, so, Mo sort of mentioned to me. Um, uh, and I reread it Meg Simon's piece in the, in the monthly, and she posited that there, there is a chance that the Liberal Party could split. And, and if, if, if two or three uh, independents in blue ribbon Liberal seats go across, you can imagine, can't you, um, that developing into something a bit stronger? And if by chance they hold the balance of power, there is, there is no way that that party doesn't split by the climate change. Hope you enjoyed that episode. Until next time, goodbye.